Thanks for listening to our Market Street podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Jesus. For more information, visit us at marketstreetchurch.org. You in a year, that's what we're talking about. We just hoping and praying and the ambition is, is that we all can be a better version of ourselves in a year. And I think that that is, and I hope that you know that that is possible, that is possible, that, that uh, God is, we're all in a, in a process and God wants to do a great work uh, in our lives and, and within, even within a year, by 2021, there's a better version of you, no matter how young you are or how old you are, that you're still here, you're still living and breathing and God's not done with you and he's got a great plan for your life. And there's a better version of you that can be had. And so last week, we kicked it off. And you can go back and listen if you didn't get a chance to listen. And we said, basically, we said that the small things, it's the small things that no one sees that results in the big things that everyone needs. It's the small things that no one sees that we do, the small little things, the little details, and we gave some specifics. We said, you know, what if you just started by doing, just start somewhere, the small beginnings, the don't despise. We looked at, you know, an Old Testament prophet. Uh, don't despise the small beginnings. You know, starting somewhere. Even great companies like Apple, started small. Great companies like Amazon started small. They, they, they had humble beginnings. And, and for all of us, that kind of change can happen and that kind of growth can happen if we just embraced and we didn't despise those humble beginnings, those small things that make a difference. And so we talked about some things. We said, you know, get a, getting up 15 minutes earlier, you know, and not even say every day. I'm not even challenging you to do that every day. I said, get up 15 minutes earlier one day a week and, and open up the scripture. Uh, download an app uh, on your phone. It's, there's great apps out there. There's one uh, in particular called Version Bible app, and it has Bible plans for you. Uh, get on that. Start a plan. They have plans for all different kinds of situations and circumstances in life. Get on one of those. Um, that's one thing. You could, if you're, if health is your thing, start with one push-up. That's what I, I you're right. I said, I said one push-up. It's too small. Here is the thing. It's too small to fail. Like even if it's like midnight and you're like, oh, I forgot to do my push-up, you could still do it. Like you could still do your push-up and then go to bed. Like it's just the small things, you know, it's that 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 it's just those those beginnings, those, those don't despise those those beginnings. So uh that was last week. I would encourage you to go back there uh, and, and look at that. Um but um so we're just talking about change, right? That's what we're talking about. We're talking about change, and I know you, we, we hear the word change. You're like, I don't like change, and, 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 I, and I get that. I get that. There was a, a man who went to get some tests done uh, at, his, at his doctor's office, and, and he was coming back to hear the results of that. And, and the doctor said, sir, he says, uh, man, you are in terrible, terrible shape. You are in terrible shape. He says, he says, you're going to have to do some things. He says, first thing he says, I'm going to tell you to do. He says, first thing I'm going to tell you to do is that you need to tell your wife that she needs to cook more nutritious meals. And then you need, what you're going to do, you need to stop working so hard. You, you're working way too much. You're working you know, too many hours. You need to stop working so much. And as a result of that, you're going to have to you know, rework a budget, and you're going to need to tell your wife that you, know, that they, you, you need to have a budget, and, you need, and she needs to, to stick to that budget. 
And, and you need to let her know that maybe she needs to keep the kids uh, away from you, you know, when you do get home from work so that you can have some time to relax a little bit. And the, the man's going, oh, and the doctor goes, sir, if you don't make these changes, he says, you're probably going to be dead in a year if you don't make these changes. And the man says, oh, he's like, can, can you do me a favor? Can you call my wife and let her know about these changes? He goes, just so, just so that it makes it sound official. And the doctor said, yeah, sure. And so the man goes home and his wife greets the man at the door, at, 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 her husband at the door and says, Honey, I just heard from your doctor. I'm sorry, you only have a year to live. <laughs> Boy, we don't like to make changes, do we? No matter what they are, we don't like to make changes. As a matter of fact, Isaac Newton, right, in this, in this first law of motion, here's what he says. He says, everything continues in a state of rest unless it's compelled to change. Everything stays in a state of rest unless it's compelled to change by forces impressed upon it. That's how, that's how this works. That's how these laws work. The laws of motion work. Everything is, is, is going to stay where it's at. Everything's going to stay positioned where it's at unless it's compelled by forces that are impressed upon it. That's how it works in our lives. We're going to stay where we're at. We're going to continue in this you know, vicious cycle of not experiencing and seeing positive changes in our life if, unless we decide that we're going to by forces that we can control, because oftentimes you know, what's true for you is true for me. We're oftentimes our own worst enemies, aren't we? And, it's, and, and we have the ability, we have the ability to control our, our, our narrative, to control our, our circumstances, to make the proper changes necessary so that you can, and I know this is true, that you can and I can be a better version of ourselves in just one single year, in one year. And, but we have to want to make those changes. So I want to look at, a, a story of a, of a couple guys in, in the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures. These guys were, were, were prophets and uh, great prophets, well-renowned, uh, known prophets, especially probably if you've been around in church, you probably have heard of, heard of these guys before. Uh, many of the Jewish people revere you know, these prophets. As a matter of fact, they, they believe that one of these prophets is going to come back and, you know, again, and, 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 and he's going to be their Christ. If, they, if those who haven't re, you know, received Jesus as their Christ, that they believe that this particular prophet is going to come back again and be their savior, be their, be their Messiah, um, and those who have rejected Jesus. And so these are incredible, incredible men of God. But listen how, how, um, what happens here. It says, in, we're going to pick it up in 1 Kings chapter 19, in verse 19. It says, so he departed from there and found Elisha. So who's he? He is, his name is Elijah. Elijah, who is, who is one of the most well-known prophets in, in, in Scripture, one of those well-known prophets amongst Jewish people. So he departed from there and found Elisha, the, the son of Shaphat, while he was plowing with 12 pairs of oxen before him, and he was with the 12th. Now, 
I know what you're probably thinking right now. You're thinking, wow, Shaphat was rich. He was rich. He had, he had a tremendous amount of wealth. I mean, at this time, you're thinking, wow, he had 12 pairs of oxen. He had 24 oxen, you know, that he had on his property. I mean, I know, I know, that's, this is what you're going through your mind. Like, wow, I, I mean, forget about Jeff Bezos, you know, and, and uh, you know, forget about these guys. I mean, this guy was rich. I mean, the amount of land holdings that he had to, in order for him to find it necessary to have 24 oxen, I'm telling you, this guy had it made. This guy was a tremendous success. I mean, think about think about. I mean, oxen. If you're you're like, okay, what what does that compare to? It's like it's like having like it's like having twenty four big John Deere tractors. And you're like, okay, I don't. I'm not a farmer. I don't know, but it, that's expensive. If you had twenty four big John Deere tractors, this is what. Shaphat had. This is what he had in his possession. I mean, this guy had tremendous amount of wealth. I mean, just forget about Magnolia Farms. I mean, Shaphat Farms. Are you kidding me? Like this guy had it had it made. I mean, but you got to know he probably started in humble beginnings. You know, just like, you know, Apple, just like Amazon, just like Disney, they all started in humble beginnings. I mean, you sh- I'm sure, you know, Shafat started with one, you know, one cow or, you know, or who knows, or maybe he just had a couple goats, you know, and from this, I, you're like, man, this really resonates with me. I'm really relating to this. Um, man, this is how this guy started. He probably began in that, in that place. And here's what I want us to dream. Here's what I want us to think about. I want us to think about the fact that this guy, Shaphat, you know, had a son named Elisha. And Elisha's working, plowing in the fields. And he's working at, and he's got 24 oxen, you know, which is tremendous amount of wealth. I mean, he's got all of this at his disposal, you know. And he's probably the successor of all this stuff, you know. He's, it's like Shaphat and son, you know. He's got all of this waiting for him for when dad retires, he's going to turn it over to Elisha. You know, and he's got all this before him. But I'm certain that it started small. I'm certain that it started in a humble beginning stage. And he was able to, over time, over time, not overnight, because that's oftentimes when we want change, right? We want it overnight. We want it immediate. We want it right now. We want it to be different tomorrow. But that's not how life works, does it? Life is a process. Life is a, is a journey that we're in to, to, and to see God do a great work. Last week we looked at, you know, it oftentimes starts with a little mustard seed, right? And Jesus said, that, you know, like the mustard seed, it's the smallest seed out of all the seeds. But when that mustard seed over time, not overnight, but when that mustard seed over time, when that begins to grow, it begins to grow into a massive tree where all the birds of the air go and nest, where all the birds of the air find home and rest on its branches. This is what's possible for all of us. But it doesn't happen immediately. It doesn't. I know we live in a culture that everything is immediate, right? 
We live in a culture where we want everything right now. We want it right away, our way, right away. Remember that slogan from Burger King? Our way, right away. That's the way that we want it. But oftentimes, greatest change, sustainable change happens over a long period of time. And here is Shaphat. And he probably began in those humble beginnings. But I hope, and my prayer for you is this, that you dream big. That you dream that, yeah, even though I'm starting in the small setting, I'm starting in the small beginning, that I hope that you're dreaming for 24 oxen. I do. I hope that you're dreaming that, it, that in your life, no matter how young you are or how old you are, that in your life that you can see 24 oxen. Anybody ever prayed that prayer before? I don't think so, right? I don't think anybody's like, God, will you just give me 24 oxen? But come on, be, hang with me. I mean, wouldn't it be amazing that God wants to do that in your life? That God wants you to say, listen, I know it only starts in the humble beginnings. I know it's not, you know, it takes longer than you want it to go. And I know that you want these changes to happen immediately. But I hope and my prayer is that you're dreaming for 24 oxen. Because maybe that's what Shaphat's dream was. That Shaphat's dream was, I, I just want one day to have 24 oxen. So I can be able to provide for my family, provide for their future, provide security and stability for them, you know, and for their kids and their kids and so on and so forth. I bet you, and I hope that that's your ambition. I hope that when you think about from now until next, you know, a year from now, that you're dreaming that. That you're dreaming that. So the story goes on, though, and it says this. It says that when the, he says a 12 pair of oxen before him, and he with the 12, and Elijah passed over to him and threw his mantle on him. You say, what's a mantle? His mantle was a cloak, okay? It was a cloak. And sort of a weird situation, you know, Elijah just sort of shows up. I don't know if we, don't really know if they knew each other, what, this, what the deal was. But Elijah just sort of shows up as, you know, as, as Elisha's on his plows, you know, behind his pair of, of oxen. And he's sort of just plowing the field, minding his own business. Can you imagine that life, by the way? Think about this. I mean, can you imagine having to stare at oxen rear all day, every day? I mean, let's just, I mean, we're just, come on, like, this is Elisha's life, right? You know, and I don't know how fulfilling that was for Elisha. I'm sure he's like, okay, this is all going to be given to me, but I don't know if this is what, you know, I don't know if this is what I want for my future. I don't know if this is what God has for me. Maybe it was, it was what God had for my, my father, but maybe this is not what God has for me. I mean, he's just staring at oxen rear every day, all day. Maybe that's how you feel. You're like, you show up to work, it's just like staring at oxen rear. You're like, I'm doing this now. I'm doing... I'm still doing this. I'm still in this job. I'm still taking care of this. Listen, I know. I get it. I get it. All of us sometimes find ourselves in the mundane of life, don't we? We find ourselves in a position where every single day, over and over and over again, we find ourselves doing the same old, same old, same old. And we're like, man, God, when can change happen for me? And I don't know if you've prayed this, but you're like, God, would you just please let me stop staring at oxen rear? So I don't know what your prayers are. Maybe this is very confusing. You're like, do I pray for 24 oxen or do I pray to stop staring at oxen rear? Which one, which one is it? I don't know what it is for you. But I know this. I know that God wants to bless your life. 
And I know that God doesn't want you to just stay in the status quo of things. That God doesn't want you to stay in just the mundane of life over and over again, day after day, day after day. That God has a plan for you and an amazing plan for you. And one day as Elisha's just plowing the field, minding his own business, staring at, I won't say it again, staring, doing his thing. Here comes Elijah out of nowhere and he just sort of throws his cloak on Elisha as he, as he passes by him. And it says this, it says in verse 20, and he left the oxen. And he ran after Elijah. So apparently, I don't know, I know sometimes the Old Testament stories are kind of weird, aren't they? Like, I don't know if Elijah's just plowing away and Elijah's just running, you know, as fast as he can as he's, as Elisha's on these oxen plowing away in the field. And then Elijah's run, just runs and throws his, his cloak on him and keeps running. That's apparently what's happening. He just keeps running. And then Elisha's like, oh, I wasn't cold, but thanks, you know, like, and he gets off, the, you know, the plow, and he starts running towards him. And, and, he, and he knows, and you say, why, why does, what's the symbolism here? Well, the symbolism here was this, is that here, here is Elijah showing up and saying, listen, God is something different for you. God is something different for you. Not just the ordinary, run-of-the-mill, mundane, day-after-day, same-old, same-old. God is something better for you. And I want, I'm coming here, and, and, and the symbolism of, of putting the mantle or putting the cloak on him was, listen, I'm, one day the baton is going to be passed to you. One day you're going to be, you know, working the harvest of God instead of the harvest of your father, Shaphat. That God has something in store for you that is beyond your wildest dreams. That God wants to do something. I mean, to more maybe relatable, practical terms like Shaphat, or, or excuse me, Elijah showed up and said, here's a lightsaber, you're going to be a, a skywalker one day. This is what he was happening. This is the context. And so, so, so Elisha says, listen, I know what you're wanting me to do. I know what you're, I know, I know what you're wanting me to do. You're gonna, you want me to come with you. you, know, you want, I'm going to be your successor in God's harvest. I get all that. But then he says, look, he says, he says, please let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, go back again. For what have I done to you? In other words, I know what I'm asking you here, Elisha. I, I know, I know the, the difficulties and the challenges that I'm asking of you right now. I'm asking you, Elisha, to give up Shaphat Farms. I'm asking you to give up all of the wealth that you will receive. I'm asking you to give up all of that. I'm asking you to give up and to let go of, you know, the, the normalcy of your life and the, you know, the, sort of the, what you can expect every single day as you get up and you get on a plow and you tend to the field. He says, I'm asking you, I know what I'm asking you. I'm asking you to do, give all that up. And Elisha says, yeah, that's, I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to give up all the riches and all the wealth. I'm ready to give up the normalcy of the schedule and the routine of life. Even though I'm, I'm comfortable, and, but I'm a little complacent. So I'm ready to make that change. 
So it says this in verse 21. So he returned from following him and he took the pair of oxen and sacrificed them and boiled their flesh with the implements of the oxen and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah and ministered to him. And so Elisha said, okay, I'm going. I'm willing to give up this. I'm willing to make changes here. I'm willing to do what's necessary in order for me to experience and to see what God has in store for me. And I'm going to go, Elisha says, I'm going to go with you, Elijah, and I'm going to go and I'm going to minister to you. I'm going to go and I'm going to serve you. And I know what you're thinking right now. You're thinking, what did he go and do? What, what, what did he go and, and, and spend you know, years doing with Elijah? Well, let me show you what he did. Now, we're going to fast forward 18, somewhere between 18 and 20 years later from, from this point. 18 to 20 years later, okay? You want to know what Elisha did with Elijah as he ministered to them? He left all of the, you know, the riches and the wealth and the prosperity of what he could get from his father. He left all of that. He left the, you know, the routines and the mundane life and the day after day. He left all of that. And he says, Elijah, I'm going with you. So the, for the next 18 years, look what he did. It says in 2 Kings 3, 11, but Jehoshaphat said, now this is the context and we'll probably talk about this next week. Uh, but there was a king, Jehoshaphat, who was looking to get some advice from God. And so now he's wanting to hear from God and, and, uh, and, and what he's supposed to do with some, with some enemies. Okay, that's just sort of the context. It says, and so Jehoshaphat said, is there not a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord by him? And one of the kings of Israel's servants answered and said, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, just in case you were wondering if this is the same guy it is, the son of Shaphat, is here. Now, look what happens next. This gives us a description of what Elisha did for those 18 years of following Elijah and spending time with Elijah. Look what, look what he does. Look what he does. Who used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. That's it. That was his job. You're like, that's it? Like he gave up the estate? Like he gave up the Bruce Wayne estate money? Like he gave up, like, you know, wealth for him and his kids and his grandkids? Like he gave that up? He gave up, like, yeah. He gave all that up just to go and be the hand sanitizer for Elijah, because apparently Elijah was a germaphobe, and during all the meet and greets that Elijah had, at the end of the line was Elisha with the water to pour over his hands so that he could, his hands could be clean from all the handshakes and the baby kissing that he had. That's it. He used to pour water. He'd pull out his Perel, squeeze him on his hands, put it back in his fanny pack. What's the next thing we're going to do, Elijah? 
We're going to go over here and do something cool. We're going to do, God's going to do amazing things. He's going to do a miracle. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be incredible. And Elisha's like, oh, well, let me know when you need your hands washed. Let me know. And then at the end of Elijah's life, it says in 2 Kings 2, 9, when they had crossed over, Elijah said to Elisha, ask what I shall do for you before I am taking, taken from you. So this is now the end of Elijah's life, and he's like going, okay, Elisha, what do you want me to do for you before I leave you? And Elisha said, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. In other words, what God has done for you, I want God to do for me, but double that. What God, what you've seen, what we've seen, what God do incredible work in your life, Elijah. That nothing in your life, Elijah, was like run of the mill. Nothing in your life, Elijah, was like routine. Nothing in your life, Elijah, was like staring at oxen rear. Nothing. Everything was exciting. Everything was thrilling. Everything was amazing. And we got to see God do a great work. So Elijah, if you are able, can you give me a double portion, double that of what you're able to do and what God's able to do in and through you. And so, of course, the response is, he said, you have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taking from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall be not be so. So you got to imagine Elisha's going, I'm going to keep my eyes locked on you at all times. Like, if this is what you're saying is true, like, wherever you go, I'm going. As a matter of fact, if you read the whole chapter, Elijah's like, I'm going to go here, but you can stay here. And Elijah's like, no, I'm going with you. Like, then he's like, I'm going to go here, but you can stay here. But he's like, no, I'm going with you. Everywhere Elijah went, Elisha went with him. Everywhere, everywhere, wherever. It just showed his faithfulness. It showed his commitment to it. Even as the hand washer. But he was waiting and wanting, saying, God, I want you to do double what you did for Elijah. And so it says, as they were going along and taking behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, which separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind to heaven. Did you know there's only two guys in the scripture that we see that didn't experience death? They didn't see death, at least that's what we think, that Elijah was one of those guys Elijah was one of those guys that just was taken up. I, don't, I know it sounds, you know, if you're not a Christian, if you're new to this faith thing, I know it sounds strange to you. But, man, I'm telling you, this is what happened. And as a result of Elisha seeing that, Elisha, we don't have time to get into it, but Elisha did receive the double portion that Elisha was used by God, twice the amount that Elijah was used by God. It is an amazing, amazing thing. So, how do we get to this change? How do we get to this place where we go, you know what? Regardless of what I'm giving up, regardless of what I can inherit, regardless of all these things that were promised to me, and despite the mundane and the comforts of the routine, that I want to experience change. I want to see change in my life. Here's what I think could happen. Let's go back to verse, 1 Kings 19, verse 20. When he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, please let me go kiss my, mother and my, my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, go back for what I have done to you. So he knew exactly what he was going to do. 
So he returned from following him. Look what it says. And he took the pair of oxen and he sacrificed them. He sacrificed them. And then he boiled their flesh with the implements of the oxen and gave it to the people and they ate and, they, and he arose and followed Elijah and ministered to him. You know what he did? He sacrificed the cows and he set fire to the plows. That's what he did. He sacrificed the cows. Now, I don't know if, you know, Shaphat and, and Mrs. Shaphat were like, why are you killing my oxen? Like, why are you killing my cow? And now, why are you setting fire to my John Deere tractor? Why, why are you doing this? Here's why. Here's why. Because change happens when doing something drastic. Change happens when we decide that we need to do something drastic in order for that change to happen. And that's what Elisha did. He's like, I want to see change. I want to see a difference. I want to see God do something better in my life. And in order for that to happen, I need to decide that I need to do something drastic. You ever heard the story of Hernan Cortez? He was this great explorer, you know, and during the Spanish, you know, uh, you know, you know, the Spanish expedition, he, he decided that he was going to arrive in a territory. And as he's arriving in this, in this land, he, he's seeing sort of the morale of his men. And he's realizing that these guys are a little discouraged and they're wanting to go back where they came from. But he's got a single mind. He's like, we're going to conquer this. We're going to keep going. And so you know what he decides to do? He decides that as they arrive on shore, all the ships that he had, to continue to conquer as much as he can conquer, he decided, he, he gave an order to all of his men. He said this. He said, burn the ships. Burn the ships. And his men, those who laughed, he drove a sword into their chest. Yeah, he was a gruesome man. He said, burn the ships. He said, he said so that none of us, no one is tempted to, to go back and settle for less. That we're on a mission, that we're trying to move forward and we're, we're trying to see better and greater things. Listen, for some of us, if you want to see change in your life, sometimes you're going to have to do something drastic. You're going to have to make a, a drastic decision. For some of us, it's maybe deciding, I need to cut this credit card up. Like, I can't stop using this thing, and the debt is piling up. I need to cut this thing. For some, maybe you're single and dating. For some of you, you need to break up with her. You need to break up with him. He's bringing you down. For some of us, it's maybe finding somebody that can help us and keep us accountable. Maybe it's calling somebody and saying, hey, listen, I'm struggling here. I'm struggling in this area, and I need your help. I can't seem to keep it, you know, out away from me. I can't seem to keep it away. I need something happen in my life. Listen, for some of us, it's time, if you want to see change, it's time to start burning the plows and sacrificing the cows. You with me? It's drastic. 
And I know. But I'm telling you, for some, it's just setting up account, you know, ways in which you know, somebody can check things and look over things and you know, make sure. Listen, for, for all of us, there's some area in our life that we need to decide, I've got to do something drastic if I'm going to experience change. For a guy like the Apostle Paul, who the Apostle Paul, man, I'm telling you, his achievements and his accomplishments in Judaism and understanding the law. He was a Pharisee, which was an incredible, incredible achievement. But he was like the most revered chief of all Pharisees. You know what the Apostle Paul decided? The Apostle Paul decided to do something drastic. And you know what he says to the Philippian church in Philippians 3.13? He says, brethren, I do not regard myself as being laid a hold of it yet. In other words, guys, I haven't arrived yet. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm in, I'm in process. He says, but the one thing I do, remember, it's the one thing I do. It's not multiple things. It's not 50 things. It's the one thing I do. I forget what lies behind, and I reach forward to what lies ahead. He says, I want to forget everything, even though all of my achievements and all of my accomplishments and all the things that I thought would bring fulfillment in my life, those things are, he called them, he later on, later on called them manure. He did. He says, those things are trash. Those things are garbage. Those things don't mean as, matter as much. But he says, my one thing that I'm doing, I'm going to forget those things that are behind, and I'm going to reach forward to what lies ahead. Listen, for some of us, it's deciding to do one thing. It is to forget those things that are behind and start reaching forward to what God has for you next. It's deciding right here, right now, today, I'm going to do something drastic. Whatever I've done in the past, it's forgotten. Whatever I've done in the past, it's forgiven. Whatever I've done in the past, it's in the past. I'm moving forward. That's the message. He says, I press on towards the goal, the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Hey, what do you got to do drastic? What do you got to do? That may be drastic. But it's going to bring, it's going to be the first domino that falls. If it's just going to stay where it's at, it's going to rest, that's the laws of motion. Until something of force that is impressed upon it. You know, in this illustration right here, I was going to kick over my table, but I didn't want to break it. But I thought it would be drastic. But you get the point, right? Do I have to kick over the table? To, no? Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Over here is like, yeah, yeah, let's see it. <laughs> it's, some, some, it's, it's, it's in order for something to change, some force needs to be impressed on it. And that may mean something drastic. Change happens with steady Consistency daily. Change happens with steady consistency daily. You with me? Here's what John Maxwell says. Improvement doesn't happen in a day, but it must be daily. 
It's not going to happen in a day. You cannot be changed by tomorrow, but it has to happen daily if we're going to get where we want to be. 18 years. Elisha, my hands are dirty. 18 years. Elisha, hand sanitizer time. And Elisha's going, okay, all right. God, this is what you have for me. This is what you want me to do. I'm going to do it. I know it's a small thing. I know it doesn't make a whole lot of, I mean, it doesn't seem like it makes a whole lot of difference right now. But God, I know that you're going to do something down the road. I know that I'm in this, in this daily thing right now. And someday, someday it's going to change. It's going to be great. It's going to be amazing. I'm going to experience it. Listen, that's where we are at. It is about being consistent, consistent every single day to want to make change being consistent. Jesus said it this way. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a, say it with me, few things. You were faithful with a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. When you and I are faithful with the few things, then God can use you down the road in the big things, right? When we decide, listen, I'm just going to be faithful with what God has me to be faithful with right now. And it may be just a few things, but right now, that's what I'm going to be faithful to. And one day I know that God, if I'm just faithful to a few things, that God will put me in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. That's where you'll find joy. That's where you'll find joy. Consistency every single day. The last thing, change happens when we say we want to see God do a double portion. Come on, don't you love this? This is not prosperity gospel. That's, that's not, that's not in, in scripture. This is not name it, claim it stuff. This is not what this is. This is God wants to do double the amount of what you believe, think and dream that he could do. As a matter of fact, here's what the way that Paul wrote it to the church in Ephesus. He says, now to him who's able to do far more abundantly. Now he's able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. I hope that you're praying this over your family. I hope that you're praying this over your kids. I hope that you're praying this over your marriage. God, will you make my marriage, will you make my family two times better next year than it is right now? Are we praying this? God, will you double, double the influence that I could have? God, will you give me double portion of self-control? God, will you give me double portion of generosity? God, will you give me double portion of trust in you? Aren't we praying this? I hope you are. I hope you're praying, God, will you give me a double portion of my ability to love people in the way that you want me to love people? God, will you just give me a double portion of quality time that is most important to you? God, will you give me a double portion of that? 
God, will you do twice the amount in my kids' lives that you've done in my life and what I've seen you do? You know what change happens? Change happens when we say to God, God, would you do double this year than you did last year? Would you do me a favor? Would you pray this for our church? Can you do that? Can you pray with me that God would do double here in this community, in this ministry, in this opportunity that we have to bring people to Jesus so that people can know what it means to have a relationship with, with a God who loves them unconditionally and that we can be a church that does double Thanks for the golf clap. Appreciate it. That we can do double what God wants to do. Listen, do it or commit or don't do it at all. But let's, let's give God a round of applause. What do you say? Come on. There you go. Now I feel like you mean it. Thank you. I think this is where we clap right here. This is no. <laughs> Listen, come on. Don't you want to see double what God has done last year, this year, and the years coming? Come on. Let's be bold in asking that. God's like, finally, some faith. Finally. God says, I, I, I already told you, I already told you in Ephesians, that I can do far more abundantly beyond all that you ask or think. I already told you that. Is it for your glory? Is it for your benefit? Mine? No. Look what he says. Whoop. Wrong way. To him be the glory. Is it for your benefit? No. It's his. It's his glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. So, Questions before we close in prayer. What's something drastic for you? What's something drastic? Is it a, cutting a credit card? Is it making a phone call? Is it setting up a meeting? Is it asking for accountability? What is something drastic that you need to do? That year in and year out, this vicious cycle, the mundane, you're tired of, I hope you are, you're tired of staring at oxen rear. That your life is just, I'm just plowing the field, dad's field. And God's going, I got more. But you got to do something drastic. You got to kill the cows and you got to burn the plows. Something drastic. What's something consistent daily that you could be doing? What's something consistent daily that you could be doing? Deciding every, every day you're going to do this. This is going to, this is, you're going to get in a, you know, a financial budget thing. You're going to, you know, you're going to work on your health. You're going to do, you know, you're going to do one push-up a day. And you're going to start with that. What's something consistent daily? You say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to wake up. I'm going to wake up a few minutes early. I'm going to open up my scripture. I'm going to spend some time in prayer. 
and I'm going to see what God wants to do. Listen, it, it, it won't happen the next day, but it's going to happen over time. But if you keep doing it consistently, you keep doing it daily, you know what you're going to develop? You're going to develop momentum. Momentum. Sir Isaac Newton, man, he's got great concepts. The laws of motion. It's going to lay at rest unless there's something that is forced and pressed upon it. And once you get that thing moving, that thing is going to develop momentum. And then over time, uh, just a short year over time, you're going to see change. But it's got to be something consistent daily. What's something? What's something you are asking to see a double portion? What's something you're asking to see God do and give a double portion of? Self-control? Trust? Health? Quality time, volunteering, inviting someone, serving, being an impact for somebody, for Jesus, for his glory in the church. What's something you're asking to see? A double portion. I'm telling you, if you begin to think about these things and start them today, consistent today you're going to see God do great things in just one short year you in a year you in a year hope you come back next week for the third and final part of you in a year let's pray together father we uh I think I know we all want some change it's just going to take a little force and effort. It's going to take your strength. It's going to take your power. It's going to take your spirit to motivate us and to move us in a direction that will bring about tremendous change in our life. But we got to do something drastic. We got to do something drastic in order to start that domino effect. We gotta decide that it's consistency daily. Every day it's being consistent, being consistent. Even if we're just a hand washer, we're just gonna be faithful and consistent with the few things, knowing that down the road, you'll probably trust us with many things. And it's deciding we're going to be bold in our requests. And then we're going to ask you, God, to do a double portion. A double portion this year from last year. That's what we're praying for. In whatever area that we need, health, finances, relationships, our personal lives, whatever area that this falls in, Lord, we're just asking for you to do a double portion of a work in our hearts. We thank you for the opportunity that you give us to change, to change. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great Sunday, everybody. Hope to see you back next Sunday for the third part.